baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. piece of paper that I gave you is a resolution that was passed by the Board of Education. On you can just make out there the voice of David Hagland, the superintendent of the Pleasanton Unified School District. It's 9 a.m. Wednesday morning, and he's at the head of a bus filled with members of his district including educators, administrators, faculty, parents, and students. Uh, remember that this is not a, a, a political activity. This group, along with several others from school districts around Alameda County, are all bound for Sacramento for an afternoon of rallying and meetings with state lawmakers. So folks, we have three appointments with legislators. Their cause? More funding for public education. I just think it's kind of important to have better funding for schools. More funding and fair funding for schools. So I'm hoping that with the increase in funding, we'll be able to come back to essentially the top 10 state in our nation that funds our education. I'm Keith Menconi. This is In Depth. And this week, we're going to be tagging along with this bunch to find out what's got them energized enough to take time out of their spring break week off for a trip to the state capitol. Hi guys, my name's Keith. I'm a reporter with KCBS. Uh, we're a station in San Francisco, so uh, I might be shoving a microphone in your face. Uh, play along, please. Thanks. This is an important story. All told, about 300 people from Alameda County made the trek to Sacramento. The rally comes amid a moment of heightened activism for public education in California, following high-profile teacher strikes this year in both L.A. and Oakland. This rally is an extension of those strikes, but also a recognition that without increased support from the state government, there's only so far the districts can go toward meeting funding demands. Now, while I was on the Pleasanton bus, I was hoping I might be able to find out more about where all this high-energy activism is coming from. Here's what I found out. enough calculators for the teachers to provide it to every student who doesn't have a calculator or can't afford a calculator. Martino Caruso Suarez goes to Foothill High School in Pleasanton. Um, there are also just really, there's really just not enough of most things that are necessary in almost all of my classes, actually. Like, everything is run on donations. Do you feel like this has all had an impact on your education? Uh, I certainly do. Um, our school PTAs, PTAs did um, help step up. Pleasanton High School student Deepak Ragu. But it showed that when we did have our lack of funding, we weren't able to get, you know, the necessary materials we needed, um, some of the necessary supplies we needed for certain situations and such. I heard again and again that those most impacted by the tight budgets are the students with the highest needs. Here's Meritas Simmons, whose daughter was diagnosed with ADHD processing disorder. As, as a parent who has tried to get special education for my kid, it is not easy, and I don't blame it on the district at all or any one person in the district. It all comes down to there's just simply is not enough money to take care of all those kids. 
since I've been advocating in public education, which is since about 2001, I've really seen a lot of different things change. That's Jamie Yee, who's a school board member in the Pleasanton Unified School District. Money was always an issue, but then, you know, we all sort of just sucked it up during the Great Recession in 2008-2009, kind of being patient, waiting for things to bounce back. It's not really happening. And I think we lost a lot of ground during those years when we didn't have the funding during the recession, and we're kind of paying for it now. And what are you hoping that a day like today can accomplish? Well, I I hope that the policymakers really are feeling the pressure that they really need to prioritize education in a much different and better way than they have. So that would be the view from the classroom and the parent-teacher conference. But sorting through funding and budget questions, well, that's a whole nother matter. And I got to admit, some of the jargon that was getting thrown at me during these conversations. The base grant amount through LCFF is fully funded. Cost savings or, you know, where there's inefficiencies. Well, it could use some untangling. We'll put it that way. So I decided to phone a friend on this one. Test, test, test. All right, say, uh, give me your name and title, please. Yeah. Yeah, John Fensterwald. Halfway to Sacramento, I dialed up John Fensterwald. He's a writer for EdSource, which is an online education news outlet based in Oakland, in the hopes that he could help us all find our footing in this conversation. I'm being told that, you know, there have been calls for more funding for education in California uh, for a long time, but the sense that a lot of people have here is that we're hitting a little bit of a breaking point. How did we get to this point where there is this sense of breaking point? I think the teachers in California are being inspired by the actions of teachers in other states. Those states happen to be more Republican and teachers are lower paid than in California, but I think then it leads to the assumption, well, we have demands in California per student spending is actually quite low in the about 40th per student when you take into consideration cost of living. And so our demands, we have a lot of poor kids, we have a lot of English learners, our demands on us are extensive. And so teachers and others are arguing we need more funding as well. That figure he just cited, that California is within the bottom 10 states in terms of average spending on students' education, That is a statistic that popped up again and again during my interviews. And that's the number that advocates for public education really want to see improved. But how did California's spending get so far behind other states? Well, like many other public programs, education took a big hit in California during the 2008 recession. We're coming out of a recession as all states are. And in fact, funding for schools have increased a lot in the past seven years since we passed the local control funding formula. Referring there to measures taken by Governor Jerry Brown to make gradual increases to the state's education budget beginning in 2013. This year, the state actually managed to reach Brown's target funding level, but that target was never meant to be an endpoint. We've increased taxes. Governor Brown did that. Nonetheless, even after coming out of a recession, many districts are barely above what they were before 2008 in the Great Recession. And that is seen as a problem, because if spending levels now are only recovered to about where they were in 2008, you're basically using 2008-sized income to pay 2019-sized bills. It's been termed a silent recession. 
In other words, we've gotten money from a surge in income in the state over the past seven years. At the same time, we faced mandated cost increases that are very significant. So by silent recession means districts are not feeling wealthy, even though they're total revenue has increased significantly over the past seven years. He says there are a few drivers of the cost increases. School employee pension costs are certainly a factor there. The legislature mandated these costs after the funding formula was passed. And so they, are, they will have nearly tripled in two years to the point that they will comprise about 15 percent of a district's budget. That wasn't there before the funding formula was passed. Healthcare costs continue to rise significantly, as do special education costs. And special education costs are a federal mandate and a state mandate as well. Districts are taking much of the money out of their general funds to pay for the needs that these students are have, and they're coming into the schools in greater needs, more autistic kids and kids with moderate and severe disabilities. That's a significant cost driver as well. So that's why districts really aren't feeling flush although you can look at the revenue that they've gotten from the state and say, well, they should be able to live with that. My closing question to John Fensterwald is, how do we fill this gap? Well, he says there are three broad options on the table. Number one. You can take a larger share of the general fund and give it to education, and that, of course, takes away from other things. So take a bigger share of the same tax pie. Number two. You can raise taxes in general, raise the general fund, and then, and then education will rise with it grow the tax pie overall, and number three. Or you can rise, raise specific taxes for education outside of that. I guess that would be adding a cherry on top of the education slice of the pie, I guess. In any event, that is it. There are no answers that do not involve messing with that tax pie in one way or another. And if there is one kind of pie that we watch very closely, it would be the tax pie. So, bottom line, no easy answers here. All right, well, once I wrapped up my interview with John, we had just about arrived at the Capitol. So far, we've mostly been hearing from students and educators from just one district. But as we mentioned, the rally drew attendees from across the districts in Alameda County. And the organization helping to tie this whole thing together is a newly formed group called the Thank East you. Bay Coalition for Public Education. It's made up itself of a cross-section of Alameda County School District staff, students, faculty, and administrators. And I wanted to get their perspective as well. So while everyone was still getting ready for the rally, I took the opportunity to speak with Parveen Amadi, who is the superintendent in Castro Valley Unified School District and one of the coalition's organizers. So, Parveen, it's a beautiful day out here. Uh, the crowds are beginning to amass right ahead. How are you feeling just heading into this rally just a few minutes away right now? Yeah, I have to tell you, I am so excited because we have all been talking about the same thing. In, you know, whether you're a teacher or an administrator or a school board member or families and parents, we've all wanted the same thing, but somehow we never really got together as a coalition. And I'm really excited about this opportunity that as a coalition, we're all on the same page and we're all talking about uh, supporting young people and increasing school funding. 
And where do you think this momentum is coming from? Obviously, California, in uh, just the last year, we've seen strikes in L.A., we've seen strikes in Oakland. Is this just all one wave that you're all riding together? Um, I believe that we have gotten to a point where we are, for example, losing our teachers that who cannot live in our communities. The cost of living has increased. Um, we are also seeing more need in public education for our students. We have more students who need emotional support, uh, social emotional support we need. Uh, we have more students who need uh, support in intervention. We're just, I think, coming to that point where we're re recognizing that unless we do something different that we are going to see a lot of our teachers moving from district to district, moving far, far away to be able to live. Um, and then that means that there's not stability for our students uh, to be supported. In addition to that, we, um, are, we really have a shortage of teachers right now. Uh, because when folks, young people are going into college, they're thinking about you know, the money they're going to make, how are they going to provide for their families? And when they look at public education versus probably right now private entities, you know, there are choices that they make. We want to encourage more young people to go in to get their teaching credential. And that we should be able to afford, we should be able to say to them, this is a wonderful job. You always, teachers are teaching because they want to. They never enter education, public education for the money, but you have to live. You have to be able to provide for your family. And when, um, when I think about our community, um, you know, our communities in the Bay Area, our parents are all working two jobs to be able to afford it, many of them. And then we have to be able to do more at school to support our young children. I just feel like when you talk about it takes a village to educate a child, it's all of us. It's our entire community, and we all need to come together. So it sounds like you're saying that even in your career, you've seen a difference in the experience of being a teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... Uh, they're getting excited. Excitement is brewing. Excitement yes. is brewing. Excitement is brewing. And it's, it's wonderful to see um, our students actually speaking up and saying, we, this is what we need. You know, when you look at what our teachers right now and our classified employees and all of our employees are really facing, um, it's, re it's really difficult to say to teachers, come to teach in the Bay Area when we go on recruitment fairs in even other states because they're going to find out that they can't live here. The rents are too high. They can't buy homes. Uh, they can't stay in one place. And one of the, um, I think, the concerns that I have as a superintendent and I've always had as an educator is this whole idea that, um, that public education is important but I'm not, I haven't seen the kind of effort we need to have to support it financially to be able to do what we need to do for, for students. Our students are our future. And, um, you know, when I walk through classrooms as a superintendent and I see, you know, 40 students in a math class, I can guarantee you that if that teacher had 20 in that classroom and, let's say, in uh, teaching, you know, ninth grade, 10th grade, that there would be a difference in how you support those students. There would be a difference in learning for students. Uh, there would be more time and opportunity to get to know them at a, a, and, and build a relationship. Those are all 
things that we need that you really can't do when you have so many students. And then when you're worried about your next paycheck and whether you're able to afford staying where you are next year. For those of us that have been out of the public education system for a couple of years and, you know, we only have our memories to work from, what can you tell us to make your case that something really is changing, the quality of education really does need more support and we're not getting what we used to be getting here in California? Yeah. So I have to say, the way we teach is very different than when we taught 30 years ago because our students need something different. We are preparing our students for for the kind of positions and jobs that they will have. That requires different kind of teaching and pedagogy, instructional practices. That also uh, requires a different structure. That also requires more time with students so that you can do the kind of work you need to be doing. So I would say if anything has changed, our standards have changed, uh, what we are teaching, the way we are teaching is different. Um, our students come to us. They're very different than when I was a student. So it sounds like you're saying that the, the standards have increased and the demands of certain students have also increased, but the support has not gone along with it? No, because we don't have the funding. We know what to do. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that we know what most of the solutions are. But those solutions all cost money. You know, when you talk about closing the opportunity gap, which is really our, should be our main focus, to level the playing field, that requires commitment, that requires understanding uh, that every student has a story, that requires teachers to have time with their students. So all of those things uh, are different today versus maybe 30 years ago. Or maybe we just are realizing it more. Uh, but I, but I, I just think about the idea of closing the opportunity gap is something we've talked about forever. We know what it takes. We just haven't been able to do it. Yes, a part of it is professional development. A part of it is getting to people's hearts and understanding our implicit biases and how that impacts the way we interact with our students, with our communities. But that requires training, right? That requires time. That requires people who stay in this profession. And, and when you don't have those things, you really don't have a sustainable system. All right. Well, unfortunately, Parveen, I need to go live in about three minutes, so we'll have to cut this short. But thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Talk to you later. I really did have to run for a live report covering this whole thing for KCBS that day. And uh, incidentally, that meant that I missed the very first part of the rally. Teachers unions, superintendents, California school board members. But after that very first snippet, I did get most of it. To change this up. And we're here in Sacramento because this is the place where it must change. Again, what are we here for? When do we want it? Now. When do we want it? We are the future of California and we deserve more as that future. We shouldn't have to be gathered here today. We shouldn't all have to come here and advocate for something that should be an expectation, something that should be given. The reality today is that our facilities are overcrowded, leading to anxiety for students across the ages in our school districts. We don't have enough maintenance workers to keep our buildings safe and comfortable. 
not enough technical workers to keep up with all our 21st century learning, and not enough interpreters to speak with our families. If you believe that every one of our employees in our schools needs to make a living wage, say we do. Adequate and fair school funding, and that battle continues. And are we going to get this done? We're we going to get it done this year? We're going to get it done. And there are some good things happening. We have more funding for our counselors' retirement. We have more funding for special education. We're going to get the Alvaro Suchi bill for increased base funding passed. You know, you guys like that one. You can't stand us up at the Capitol. Playing behind me now is a group that performed at the rally that's billed as the Angry Tired Teachers. You're listening to KCBS's In-Depth, a weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping the news we report on each day. This week, we're finding out why hundreds of students and educators from Alameda County took time out of their busy spring breaks to make a trip up to Sacramento to rally for increased funding for public education. Now for the bus ride home. Most of the people I spoke with, it's fair to say, were encouraged by their day's activism and their opportunity to meet with legislators. I think it made me more hopeful. I feel like the people we talk to are positive, right? And, and they want it to happen. But while I had some time on my hands, I thought I would check in again with our reporter friend, John Fensterwald, to hear from this education watcher how far he thought one day's activism could really go. So let's bottom line this. Uh, Teachers went out there, students went up there, administrators went up there, all with fairly high expectations. They are hoping to see some results of this in the coming years. Uh, If if you were handicapping this, what would you expect to see in the coming years and then in the long term as well? I think that we have a governor who is understanding and sympathetic of the need to raise teachers pay and that governor also wants to substantially increase early education and also provide additional tuition lower tuitions for college students there are a lot of factors at play i think folks who want to raise raise more money for education have to look at it for the long haul and be patient and uh teachers know that more than anyone that uh change goes slowly in a classroom, it'll go slowly in the state, but you have to build the case for it and hope and work for it, and perhaps starting in 2020 might make a difference. Is there, at this point, an organized opposition to the demands that we're getting for higher education? Because, again, I think all things being equal, pretty much everybody would sign on for more money going to public education, but at, at, at this point, is there an other side to this? I think there are many other sides, which is to say there are many demands on a state budget. Governor Newsom, for example, wants to expand early childhood education, which I don't think anyone would disagree is significant and would be an improvement and lead to greater achievement in K-12 and even extending to college. That can be expensive. Will that be done within Prop 98, in other words, taking away money from K-12 and community colleges, or do you do it outside of that? That's an expensive proposition. The governor has a plan for doing it, phasing it in, but that's just one interest in within education, and then you have many outside which are competing for the same dollars. I don't think it's that people generally are opposed to raising 
money for education. It's always a question of priorities and alternatives. The increased funding could come in a couple of different forms. First, there's AB 39, which is proposed legislation from Assemblyman Al Mertsuchi that would set new, higher targets for statewide education funding increases, although without a timeline. Many are also looking forward to a 2020 ballot measure that would modify Proposition 13. That's the 40-year-old voter-approved measure that limits the amount of taxes the state can levy on properties. The 2020 measure would lift the tax cap on large industrial and commercial landowners, basically paving the way for new revenue streams. Uh, And because it would leave homeowners untouched, this is also being called a split-roll tax. Add to all of this complexity, uh, on June 4th of this year, LA voters are set to consider a sizable parcel tax to fund education. Now, John looks to that as an early test of voter support for education funding. If that passes, if you can persuade the average homeowner in LA to spend $235 more in property taxes, that's a big news. That could be assumed assumed that the public at large is open to that. Beyond that, you can read how the split roll tax in 2020 might fare based on what happens in LA. Between now and then, the legislature may do some negotiating with the sponsors of the split roll tax to come up with an alternative that could go on the ballot in 2020 that may be a little bit different form of tax, perhaps may raise more money for schools and possibly other other cities, I'm not sure. But I'd be looking for signs between now and, say, the next year as to what to do. So plenty to watch out for down the road. Before we got off the bus, I thought I would check in one last time with Jamie Yee. That's the school board member from the Pleasanton Unified School District, who we heard from at the very top of the program. I wanted to see how she was feeling about all this after her day speaking to lawmakers. Does it feel like a sea change, or does it feel like... Maybe you could get the ball rolling on some incremental issues. You know, I've been doing public education advocacy work for as a volunteer since 2001. Do I feel it's any different now than it was then? Sad to say, but no. It's just a different group of people telling you what you want to hear again. So I'm not going to believe it until I really see the money in our bank account. So that would be to you the sign that something big is changing is when the money arrives? Yes, but we have such a huge gap to fill. I don't know where that money's going to come from and what's really possible. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit jaded. You've been listening to In Depth, a production of KCBS Radio in San Francisco. You can find past episodes of the program online at kcbsradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For KCBS and In Depth, I'm Keith Menconi, and I'll see you next time. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program for all news 740 and FM 106.9 KCBS. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 